0: My coach was my father figure, and his death sent me into this deep depression and triggers the worst six months of my life. Shortly after, I get fired with my job because I just couldn't keep it together anymore. I couldn't lead my team. My fiance and I split. I slowly gained 30 pounds. I moved back in with my mom. I had racked up 40 thousand dollars in credit card debt trying to buy back my happiness welcome to season two finale episode number 26 with the man of impact american ninja warrior and founder of high performance health academy dan holguin Hey Mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being Mother Hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Dan Holguin is the founder of High Performance Health Academy, which is an online school designed to help high achievers master their body so they can create their biggest impact in the world within 90 days. He's led students in the academy to lose a ton of weight, literally over 2,000 pounds in just four years. And he's a four times fitness coach of the year in the beautiful state of Montana. He has spoken at workshops and conferences around the globe about the mindset shift behind transformation, and hosts the iTunes podcast, High Performance Health. He has been featured on several major media outlets, including NBC, MTV, and the Discovery Channel. He's a current competitor on the hit NBC show, American Ninja Warrior, and enjoys long-distance mountain running in Montana's Glacier National Park. And if you don't want to take my word for it, just check out his Instagram story where he features the beautiful terrain of this area and sometimes literally takes over the Glacier National Park's Instagram account. Mamas, please help me in welcoming our season two finale, Man of Impact guest, showing us what being raced by a real mother hustler can do. To impact kids, and through those kids, then impact the world. Without further ado, please help me welcome Dan Holguin. Oh my gosh, everybody, welcome. Woo! I've got this badass <laughs> man of impact. On my podcast, Mr. Dan Holguin.
1: Yes. Did I yes. say
0: that perfectly for you?
1: You're probably the only one that ever has. Oh, yes, thank wow, you. Wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> for a long time, I look at your name and it, I, I've read it for a long time, Holgan. Yeah. And I thought it was a cue, by the way. Yes. And when I keep watching your live, and you say it, I'm like, okay, I need to say this perfectly the first time. <laughs> yes, so.
1: since I was a kid, people have been spelling it with a Q, saying it with a Q. Uh, I get all kinds of different variations of it, but you nailed it. And if you wanna get like a really particular with it, um, it's, it's Spanish. My father's mm. from Mexico and you know, that's wow. a whole other story, but it's pronounced Olguin, so the H is silent. Ulgin. Hulguin, see,
0: yeah. Wow, wow. Muchas gracias. Yeah, de nada. nada. Um, Do you speak Spanish? Si, 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 si. Wow, wow. That's awesome. Well, I grew up in the Philippines, so in my island, Cebu, we have a lot of Spanish. Um, In fact, I have my Magellan shirt on. Nice. You know, um, Explorer Magellan landed in that in that island and started the Catholic religion and all that good stuff. Um, In any case, that's why we get a lot in our language, in our dialects, because there's over 7,200 islands in the Philippines and 72 dialects.
1: Wow, I didn't realize that. So,
0: yeah, in our dialect, we have a lot. We count, just like Spanish people do. Okay. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, you know. Yeah. But this is not about me, Dan. It's about you, my friend. <laughs> hey, thank
1: you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you.
0: Oh my gosh, Dan is a American Ninja Warrior coach for high performing wow. um, entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals. Um, I'll I'll give you the 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 update on his bio when I edit it. But I want to get into that brain of yours that is like all about mindset. All about what I love about you, Dan, is you not only you understand where to start yeah, and you start right here. And I've heard your story over and over again because you, you are really good at sharing it. Thank you. Um, but I want the world to know, especially my mom, entrepreneurs, because I have some high performing moms um, in my audience as well. Um, from the network marketing industry to insurance, because I'm in the insurance industry. Yes. Um, Banking, because I was in banking. And so you 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 just start building this audience from your history and your past, and then you attract new ones. So let's get to it, brother.
1: I'm ready. Let's go to work.
0: Awesome. You can start wherever you want.
1: So to give you a little bit of a backstory, uh, let's just start with like, where i've been so that we have better context when we start talking about everything else so i want to take you back to october of 2013 like we'll we'll start right there october 2013 Mm -hmm. um i'm working in a job that i hate i hate it i'm working in construction Mm -hmm. and five years before that in 2008 my business as a personal trainer had failed failed miserably it was terrible and um, when that happened, I feel, uh, like this huge sense of just unfulfillment. And I feel like a complete failure because I wasn't able to figure it out. And deep down, I just mm-hmm. feel like helpless to change my life. Mm-hmm. So one morning I go to my friend coach's house and I call him coach because he's my football coach. Um, mm-hmm. but this man is my best friend, my mentor. This man is my father figure. And, uh, ultimately just means the world to me so I get to his house and I notice that his truck's in the front yard, hmm. but the shades are drawn. And so I thought that was kind of strange because typically he's an early riser. He's up early in the morning. So I go knock on the door and I don't get any answer. So I go around to the side of the house, try to get in the other entrance. That's locked. So I go back to the door and this time I knock on it a little bit harder. A couple minutes go by and I start feeling like, anxious i start feeling a little bit overwhelmed a little bit nervous afraid because i'm not really sure what's going on so i did like the only thing that i could think of in that moment and granted that was a different dan at that point point. and with like every bit of strength i had man i just i kicked the front door in and i went straight into the house like every episode of cops that you've ever seen <laughs> that's how it was for me in that moment like and i really felt that like when i kicked it in oh, man i felt so good I felt so good and I go into the house and now my anxiety is even higher and I go upstairs to the kitchen and I remember seeing that the kitchen was completely clean. I started going to the spare bedrooms. I noticed he wasn't in there and the whole time I'm calling him out, coach, coach, where are you at? Obviously his bathroom or his bedroom is downstairs. So I don't know why I didn't go there first. I go into his bedroom Mm -hmm. and he's in bed. And like this whole time I'm thinking something bad had happened. And so I go to pull back the covers to wake him up And he's dead.
0: No way.
1: Yeah. Wow. He's dead. Wow. And it was just five days before that we had, (laughs) we had, uh, we were at a rodeo together. We had this rodeo in town and it was, uh, it was me. It was my kid, um, his daughter my fiance at the time. And, um, at the end of the night he drove us home and he told us, he told everybody to get out of the car. So we all get out of the car and he pulls us into this like big huddle and he's like, we're family now. And that was the first time he had ever met my kid and had all of us together. And he said, we're family now.
0: Mm.
1: And so coach's death, um, sends me into this deep depression and triggers the worst six months of my entire life. Shortly after I was fired from my job because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't keep it together anymore. I couldn't lead my team. Um, my fiance and I split, we were engaged at the time. So we split, I slowly gained 30 pounds. I moved back in with my mom. Um, And I had racked up like 40K in credit card debt, trying to buy back my happiness. And I was doing anything I could to to find that by buying things. Like I was going out to fancy dinners three, four nights a week, just ordering the most expensive thing on the menu just to feel good about myself. I would take trips to California uh, just to feel like I was going somewhere, just to be on a plane and having that feeling. And I would buy things. Mm. I remember having this moment in my mom's house, like one of the first days after moving in, And I was in the downstairs bedroom and all I had were boxes of things that I took from the house that I was living in prior with my fiance. And I had this moment where I was just looking at these boxes of stuff, like just stuff, things that I had bought to, to make myself happier. And that's really this moment where I just felt at my entire lowest. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my family, my health. I didn't have anything left, but all of this stuff. Mm. And so during that time, um, I felt lost. I felt alone. Um, and I really didn't care if I live or died and that's a story for another time as well. But, um, that was just a really tough time for me. And so I had no clue at that point how to regain control of my mindset, regain control of my health. Like I had no idea how to do it. Mm. So then one day. I get a call from my friend Ryan and Ryan and I have been best friends for a long time. Ryan calls me up and he's like, Hey Dan, I've got a guy that wants to work with a fitness coach and wants to work with a trainer. Do you want the job? Now remember, I haven't had a paying client in five years and like my anxiety was now at an all time high. Cause I'm 30 pounds overweight living at my mom's. I didn't know what to think, but everything in my head was like, you can't do it. Every voice in my head was saying you can't do it. But that like that one little glimmer of, of heart or voice in my heart was just like, go for it, do mm-hmm. it. And so in that moment, I told Ryan, I'm the guy, sign me up, whatever it entails. I'm the man. <laughs> and within that 30 second phone call, I had my first paying client in five years. And wow. I remember hanging up the phone, Kareen, and like, I had no idea where to start. I was panicking. I was nervous because my thing was, I didn't want to be like this out of shape, overweight trainer that was like going to help somebody commit to regaining control of their health while my own was still in shambles. Wow. That's amazing. It's it's crazy. And it was like in that moment of not even knowing where to start that I just went straight to taking back control of my health, I went straight to the mountains, because I didn't want to go to a gym because I didn't want to be seen as like, that like once fit person, the person that used to have it all together, that used to be in shape and on the right track. And now is all of a sudden 30 pounds heavier. And maybe if you're listening right now, you can align with that. Maybe that was something that you came from. I I think a lot of mothers struggle with this, especially after they have their kids. Mm. You know, it's like their priority shift or something happens. Um, and I didn't want to be seen that way. So I went somewhere where nobody would see me and I went Uh to the mountains and I just started running. Wow! And it was in that point where everything just started to roll from there. And I realized that if I'm going to be able to show up for this person that I just committed to, to changing his life, then I was going to need to then be the example to set the tone.
0: Wow. I want to take you back to when you opened that door and you realized your coach was dead. Yeah. Um, because that must have been very difficult for you. Um, as probably you probably screamed out loud, I'm guessing, um, and hugged him at the same time. But, but when that happened to you and you said he was your father figure, um, like, did you just lose it all, like, mentally? Is that even something you can describe? Like, I can only imagine the, the feeling of loss in that moment. And, and, you know, the universe has its way of telling you because you already felt something was wrong. Yeah. And then it took you, when you saw that he was just laying in his bed, it took you, like, back to normal and then, boom, right back to worst reality.
1: yes yeah um initially I uh I was shocked I felt shock. I remember pulling back the covers and seeing him um what we later found out that he had passed a few days earlier Mm. so when I saw him he he had already uh been dead for a few days and so I immediately pulled the covers back saw that and just went out of the bedroom right away. And, um, it was then that, you know, I went outside, I gathered myself for a moment, called, called 911 and went from there. But yeah, it was, it was a a huge point where I really felt that, um, I had lost everything because I think in that moment or at that point in time, I had put all of my happiness, I'd put all of my, uh, my joy, my, uh, my everything that I saw that I was, wanting to become I had put into one person Mm. and when I lost that person I felt like I had nothing and I think a lot of people that struggle with grief and loss the most Mm. are the people that do that that put everything into one person or one thing
0: right right what um so was, was this in Kalispell Montana Mm-hmm. You were already in Calisco because mm-hmm. I know you talked about being in the rodeo. You were a bull yeah. rider and all that good. Hey, yeah. I know about you.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yes. a lot of years. <laughs> and
0: all yeah. those good stuff, but um, and you transitioned from another state to Montana. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to find out if it was already there.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was here in Montana. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: When When you moved back to your mom's house, how? did that, how was that for your mom?
1: Well, this is, this is one thing that, that I love about my mom is that she has always been the biggest supporter. If I told her that I wanted to stop coaching entrepreneurs right now and join the circus or go live on a tent in the mountainside of Peru, she'd be like, okay, well, call me when you get there and uh, send me pictures. You know what I mean? Like she, she's, she's not passive. She's supportive. And I think there's a difference. She's very supportive with it, whatever it is that I want to do. So the day that I left uh, the house with my fiance to move in with my mom, it was such a difficult conversation. Just picking up the phone to call. I just felt terrible because I felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I called her and I was like, mom, I'm kind of going through some things right now with Caitlin is my fiance with Caitlin, Um, can I, and I didn't even get to finish the sentence. And she was like, yes, come over, come over. I didn't even get to finish the sentence. Again, again, in that moment right there, she just supported me. She came, I came over to the house. She didn't even ask questions for like two or three days. And she just kind of let me adjust. She let me move in downstairs. She cooked for me every night. And she didn't ask questions. She wasn't in judgment. It was just a, a really, you know, so sil- it was a silver lining to everything that was going on for her to support me that way.
0: For moms we're, we always have our babies. Always, always.
1: Always. And yeah. now
0: that you're a dad as well, yeah, I know that you probably say the same thing, especially a, a, a daughter to a dad is also such a special, yeah. um, relationship, but, um, so, what were your goals, Dan, before Coach just passed away? What, what, what did that Dan want in life?
1: That Dan at the time before Coach C passed was kind of like free-floating, around feeling a, a lack of purpose, not really doing what he wanted, and what he had wanted he had lost five years prior, which was being a successful personal trainer and help people transform their lives and get in better shape and be doing more in the world. But after that recession came, um, you know, I had kind of slipped out of that. And I didn't think that here in Montana that I was going to be able to bounce back. I just didn't feel like, you know, the story that I was telling myself was, well, the people aren't going to support me being a fitness coach. You know, the, the economy is bad here. I'm not going to be able to make it. So I'm just going to revert back to what I know how to do. And that's, lift heavy things and bang hammers and build stuff you know what i mean so yeah although i was making good money with it at the end of the day even the amount of money that i was making it just kind of let me to feel like i wasn't doing what i really was capable of
0: wow so yeah. tough question for you yeah do you think that as 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 hard as it was to lose coach C, do you think that his death had a real purpose in your life?
1: Yeah. And that's something that I struggled with for a long time, especially when I was coming out of his death, because Mm -hmm. for probably a year and a half, I struggled with that specific thing because I had, again, thought that I had put everything into this man because he was who I looked up to, to be a better father, to be a better human. Um, And at that time it was like, who am I going to look to now? So I struggled Mm -hmm. with it initially. But what I found is that once I was able to move past it, once I was able to move past, like feeling like I had no other purpose was that had his death not happened, Mm -hmm. would I still be in construction? Would I still be living this life doing less than I was capable of? Would I be Mm -hmm. on this podcast with you? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that his death, although it was really tragic and it still is, uh, because he was, he was, well, Corrine, I mean, this man, I wish I could tell you what this man was doing in his life at the time, but he has then allowed me to shift into this phenomenal coach. And I'm, I'm proud to say that because the way that I coach now is exactly how he coached me, you know, with understanding and empathy and with just with leadership. And so, um, I think that had he not been there in my life that I would, I would be in a completely different place.
0: Wow. So you're, you're, you're carrying on his legacies. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Let's talk about the Dan after that. Yeah. Um, you know, with the credit card debts and you buying things and we both know and we're awakened enough that things don't matter. Right. Yeah. In this, in this stage in our lives. Um, they sounded like they gave you happiness though, for the very short moment, like a bandaid would on a boo-boo, yeah. right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So what yeah. can you say and how can you, or what can you tell listeners out there? Cause I used to be all about brand, you know, material stuff, money, yeah. income, power, title, accolades, you know, I came from that world, from the corporate America world and But I was in this rut or a pocket, I like to say a pocket, where I wasn't sure if going after my dreams was worth it. What can you tell moms that are listening from that from your perspective um, with going after it and just you know just an advice for them?
1: I think first off it's important to say that most people You'll read, like people will post quotes or videos about do whatever you want. You know, this is your life. You only get one opportunity. And on the surface, it sounds good. But Mm -hmm. I understand what it's like to be in the situation where it doesn't matter how positive somebody's being or what they're saying and telling you that you can do it. There's still a big part of you that says, okay, that's cool. But where do I start? I don't even know where to begin. Like I feel so lost and I was there for a long time. And so I think it's first first to say that I understand where you're at. And I think that for people that are in that position that you just take these these micro steps. You know, like if we're talking about fitness, for example, um I've helped a lot of people lose 100 plus pounds. And in the beginning when these people come to me they're like, "You know what? I've got 100 plus pounds to lose. I don't know where to start. I have no idea where to begin." And I just have to stop him in that moment and say, look, you don't have to lose a hundred pounds. You just have to lose one pound. Mm -hmm. And it's the same if you're trying to regain control of your situation and like really step into what it is you really want to do. You don't have to go for this big, huge goal right off the bat. You just need to take one small step. And getting into that habit of just taking one small step each day. I and mean, because if I think about what I was doing back then, um, I didn't like I didn't jump into a hundred things at once because I had I didn't have the skill sets to do that to make it sustainable. I didn't have the habits or the routines or the support. But what I did know how to do was focus on what I could control. Right. And the two things right off the bat for me was in this order too, was my thoughts and my body, mm. to actually have that first thought of saying, okay, I need to make a change, and then putting that thought into action and moving my body, because if I can control my body, then that's gonna give me the confidence to continue to do more and more and more.
0: It's, it's very true. Yeah. And you can have all the thoughts, the positive thinking that you, you want, but if you're not moving yeah. and executing, it's really nothing,
1: Yeah. You know? and, yeah, absolutely, and so many people will say that you know change takes time. It takes a long time for that to happen, but really it's the opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. change is instant. As soon as you have that thought, and then you put it into action, that's change. That's instant change. Mm-hmm. You know, but we yeah, get, but still get caught up in thinking the opposite.
0: Yeah, but we were, we get caught up with the result. We think okay. that change happens at the moment yeah. we see results. Yeah. Right. But change happens when you make a decision, man. It's, it's, it's all about the decision and what the intention is you put out there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, Dan, what's your childhood look like with your mom <laughs> and
1: all of that good stuff? So, like I was saying a minute ago, my mom's been a, a huge influence in my life. And let me take you back to where I first started. Now, before, actually, before I say that, my mom is a first-generation American. She, mm-hmm. uh, her family is from Portugal. Both of my parents are immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from Portugal. So family has always been something that has just been like deeply rooted in her soul and taking care of her kids has been something that she's always, she's always put first.
0: Wow. Um,
1: we grew up in California and, um, on the central coast, like by Santa Barbara. And my dad was a long haul truck driver. And my mom worked for the school district. So mm-hmm. my dad was gone six days a week. He would come home on Sundays and then leave again Monday morning. Wow. So all week long, my mom was doing both jobs as a parent, mother and father. She was mm-hmm. cooking, picking us up, taking care of us, everything. She did Mother everything. hustling. She's a mother hustling. <laughs> like if you brought her on here, she'd tell you. Like she did everything that your listeners are doing right now everything. Yep. She was responsible for it all. But growing up in California, we lived in, um, we lived in, I would say it was a bad neighborhood. It was tough for me mm-hmm. because I'm like, at that time I was like this skinny, undersized, freckle faced, light. <laughs> and even though I'm not, I'm not white, I'm Mexican. I'm just very light skinned, but we lived in yeah. a Mexican neighborhood. Okay? Um, yeah. So because of that, um, I was kind of seen as the outcast there and, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of times as I was growing up because I didn't have my dad around or I didn't have like a support figure to, to help that, you know, I was bullied quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. I remember in particular this one time walking home from school and I was probably in the fourth grade and there were these two kids that lived up the street from me, Lorenzo and junior, these Mexican kids. (laughs) One day I'm coming home, Kareem, and they jump out of a bush and ambush me with (laughs) water balloons, with water balloons And I go home, I'm in tears, I'm crying, I'm I'm soaking wet. And my mom asked me what happened. I tell her what happened. My mom, I remember her running out of the house, up the street, chasing these kids. And I slowly like went outside to see what she was doing. And when I looked up the street, she had these two boys in front Mm -hmm. of her and she was screaming at these two boys that had ambushed me. So Uh my mom was like my supporter, my my uh, everything she was also my protector at the time as well yeah Yeah. wow so she did did a lot of different things to keep me alive at that time
0: (laughs) what do you think your mother showed you because we talk about it on the podcast a lot it's it's pretty common amongst all the moms yeah that our kids suck it all in you know we can tell them verbally all we want but the, the end of the day, what they learn from us is what we are showing them.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, man, that's so true.
0: So, so. so what do you think is that impact your mom has, has made in your life of what she showed you?
1: This is probably the one thing about her that makes me smile the most. So to give you a little bit more backstory, because my dad, remember I was telling you, he worked <laughs> six days a week out of town. It was just us at the house, me, my little brother, and my mom. Well, my mom is a traveler and because mm. her family's from elsewhere, she, she always wants to be going somewhere as well. And so mm. she would take us with her everywhere she traveled. So mm-hmm. by the time I was 13, I had seen so much of the world. I had been to so many different countries and places and seen things in different cultures. And the one thing that I learned from her, and this is the biggest that she never explicitly said, but that I just picked up on was her tolerance
0: Mm.
1: for people. Mm -hmm. Um, Everywhere, patience, tolerance, Mm. like acceptance, love, like everywhere that we went she was kind to people, whether she knew them or not. Mm. And she never had to say it. I just saw it. And so um, growing up, like, that was the biggest lesson that I took from her. And I think that her love for people is where my love for people and travel has come from. And, and that actually works out really well because being a fitness coach who works entirely online um, gives me the ability to do both work and help lots of people and travel. So...
0: Yeah, oh, I, I. That's her. I saw you went to uh, Puerto Rico. Uh,
1: I was in Peru about Peru. Eight weeks ago. Yes,
0: Peru. So let's. We talked about your mom, and let's talk about your girlfriend and your daughter. Yeah. And I know that uh, Gabby is your girlfriend's name. Yes. Yes. And she went to Peru with you, which oh, your photos were amazing. And you went through this really huge challenge of how many days was that to climb Machu Picchu?
1: It was a four-day climb through the Andes um, to get to Machu Picchu. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: Wow. How heavy was your pack? Uh,
1: Well, see, that's the thing. I didn't realize (laughs) it. And and if you're listening right (laughs) now and you're thinking about doing this trip, don't pack a lot of stuff. Don't do it. Because Not only did we have a team of porters who basically carried all of the food and the utensils and et cetera, um, you don't need a lot of stuff. And I didn't plan for that. So I took way more stuff than I needed. And so my pack was probably about 60 pounds when it should have been. I know, I know. My bad, my bad. bad. (laughs) It should have been half that. And so wow. every time we were hiking, people would pass us and like kind of look at us funny because they were all carrying these tiny little backpacks, and I've got this massive, you know, live in the jungle for a year pack on.
0: Do they have the <laughs> tents and the food that they cook for you, the porters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they
1: did, they, they did yeah. all that.
0: Yeah, I have a friend here locally that's climbing Kilimanjaro.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Year, yeah. In
0: in about less than a year. And that's what they're doing too. They have porters that carry everything for them.
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: and all that good stuff. Wow. That's an amazing, amazing yeah. journey.
1: Yeah, it was really good. And it was, what's really cool about the trip too for me was that when I was going through everything, working in construction and not feeling like I was living on purpose, I was building a hospital at the time. and this, And if I could take you back to like January of 2000, geez, I don't know, 14 or something like, no, 2011. Um, I, uh, I was working and building this hospital. It was cold, it was wintry, and every mm. morning at 9 a.m. I would get a 15-minute break. And for probably like 60 days straight, I was just going through my phone on that 15-minute break, Googling pictures of Machu Picchu, watching videos, like <sighs> imagining what that could be like. But I never thought that I was going to be able to have the time to do it or the resources or, you know, like I just didn't believe in myself at that point. So mm-hmm. seeing that come full circle and happen seven years later was just, it was just really special to me. Wow. And to be able wow. to share it with her too.
0: Yeah. What's Gabby teaching you? Because, um, you know, she, she appears to be an amazing woman and I'm sure she is with, yeah. when you pick her <laughs> because yeah. you are an amazing man.
1: Thank you. I right. That.
0: So So, like, what? Tell us a little bit about this new woman in your life. Yeah. And how is she teaching you life and and guiding you through?
1: Gabrielle and I have actually a really special story. And if I take you back to 2008, I'm living in California at the time. Um, I'm going to college playing football, like, doing my my single bachelor thing. And I'm working at a gym in, in Los Angeles. And I meet Gabriella there. She's also a trainer at the same mm. gym. And while we were there, like we were in contact with each other. We worked together. We just had like a, a cool friendship. She was just a really cool person that I could hang out with. And, you know, and it was great. And after I left, I didn't really talk with her for 10 years. No, sorry, like nine mm. years.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. And all of a sudden um, she called me one day. She's like, hey, I, I live in Montana now. I'm going to the university And I just wanted to catch up a little bit. So we started talking and kind of reminiscing on like back in 2008. And it was just kind of a a good feeling at the time. So her and I started talking again. And then um, about a year later, last summer, I asked her to be my girlfriend, like old, old fashioned style.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's super cool how life has its way. Yes. And, And believe it or not everything that happens to us is a recipe to become where we are now to get here.
1: yeah, Right. Yeah.
0: So, wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool story. And what was really cool about it is we just picked up right where we left off. Like it, what, there wasn't like an awkward moment. It was just, it was like nothing ever happened, you know, and that's so rare and everybody has like one or two people in their life like that. Well, she's definitely one of those for me. So I would think that the, the biggest thing that she's teaching me right now is, Corrine, this woman is so incredibly loving and giving and patient. And mm-hmm. my lifestyle is so, it's, it's so different than, than most because I'm always here, there. I'm always working. I'm, I'm doing a lot of things, but she's just so patient through all of it. And she's so supportive through all of it. And, and the qualities that I see in her are very similar to the qualities that I see in my mom.
0: Yes, I was gonna say.
1: <laughs> and isn't that funny how we,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, how we always make that connection
0: mm-hmm.
1: in some way. So yeah, that's so, so
0: cool, dude. Yeah. I was gonna say as you were describing that, and um, it's they always say your parents either um mold you or ruin you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So,
0: well, that's awesome. I'm so yeah. happy for you.
1: It's a, it's a really special thing. And in fact, you know, her and I to this day at the time of this recording are still together and doing really well. Um, we actually just celebrated our one year anniversary um, about five days ago.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Thank I you. see your smile there, buddy. You have yeah. a really good smile when you talk about Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> that says yeah. a lot. Yeah. So what's your daughter's name?
1: <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Queen? amazing Queen. Princess. Wonderful, no. Her name is Daisha Desiree, Daisha Desiree, and she's 10 and um, she's just the most amazing little person ever. And um, I've been in her life since she was a year and a half. And I think what uh, a lot of people don't know about our situation is very unique, Kareem, it's very unique. She's not my biological daughter, Um, but when I met her mom, Mm -hmm. She was obviously already in the picture. And mm-hmm. I didn't get to meet Daisha for about a month after her her mom and I started dating. Her mom was very protective, similar to mine. And the day that I finally met her, um, I remember walking into Caitlin's apartment, opening the door, and this little you know, two foot tall, nothing, diapers, no shirt, blue binky, long curly hair, is standing in the doorway, like looking up, giving me this scowl, like, Who are you and why are you in my mom's house? <laughs> like boss. Like who yeah, like who do you think you are walking in my house? <sighs> So that was the first moment that I've ever had with her and we still joke about that moment today because the look that she gave me, she can still make that same face and so you know, we, we, we joke about that a lot but from day one, from, from minute one, we were just like this, just so tight and we've just been so tight since then and it's just even grew to this incredible thing today. How old is she? She's 10. She's 10 now. And
0: and how old was she when you met her?
1: A year and a half. Yeah. Oh, wow. A year and a half. Wow.
0: Do you think that that's beautiful, Dan? Yeah. And I love that. I love that uh that you you know, I always say motherhood or being a mom because I have some friends that are stepmoms. Yeah. That it's not about the label of being that's... a step or a father figure. Yes. It's it's about the act of being a father, yes. the act of being a mother, because because it is a an earned title, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because mothering and fathering someone is 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 hard work, man.
1: <laughs> More than most, no, yes.
0: Yeah, it's hard work. So, kudos to you for for being that for her. And I know that you love her dearly. You pick her up at school. You're doing all these stuff for her. Yeah. Just like your own, yeah, which absolutely. is essentially your own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Absolutely. And even though her mother and I aren't together anymore, I'm still in her life just as much, you know, and we all have a great working relationship together. And that's something that's really rare too, is her yeah. biological father is still in the picture. And so the co-parenting that goes on between her dad, her mom, myself is, um, is really amazing. Like a perfect example of this is she's in gymnastics. She's a gymnast and does very well. But this past season in gymnastics, we were traveling all over the Northwest. We were in Washington, Idaho, Montana. Um, we were everywhere, but every weekend we would all travel together. And we would all stay in the same hotel together. Wow! We all stayed in the same hotel room together.
0: That's amazing. Now, like I said, it's unique,
1: but it works.
0: If you're ever in uh, Washington, Portland area, because I'm on the border, let me know.
1: (laughs) Yes, I will for sure.
0: We have a huge presence here too with the gymnastic with Nadanov gymnastics. So, yeah, yeah, dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, tell every single one of my moms here listening of American Ninja Warrior, Come on the now. big stuff, Come and, and, on, and High Performance <laughs> Academy. Yes,
1: High Performance Health Academy. And in
0: yes. your one million goal, not money, yes. not numbers, but
1: people, People, people. absolutely absolutely yeah so ninja warrior was something that started for me three years ago at the time of this recording it was 2015 was my first season and man just to give you the quick story on that i had known a little bit about it but i didn't really grasp it as a whole and one day one of my friends had brought this video to me and showing me somebody running through the course and at the time i was thinking like you know i i may be able to do that obstacle i may be able to do this one i don't know about that one but i I mean i might So I just started trying stuff and I started building things. And what I had found is that I had these like raw talents, but I didn't have these refined skill sets for it. So I started training more and more and I applied for the show. I didn't really know if I was going to get a call. And all of a sudden one day they called me, they're like, Hey, we need you in Kansas city, Missouri for season seven in three weeks can you be there? And I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, I could be there. So that was really the start of it. And, um, yeah, first season I went out to Kansas city, I completed the entire course, hit the buzzer, like turned around, smokes all around. People are screaming. It was, it was absolutely insane. And, uh, (laughs) they tell you if you make it to the top of the rope wall and you finish to like really soak in that moment.
0: Mm. Because
1: of what you just accomplished, <laughs> I remember being up there for so long. At you know, at at one point after a few minutes, what I felt was pretty quick. But after a few minutes, the the producer was like, "Hey, you can you can get down now." <laughs>
0: so, your moment's so, over, Dan. Yeah,
1: your moment's over. Like it's, <laughs> we got to roll, dude. so But I definitely took that moment in because this was one year after I lost Coach C. Mm. So it was that moment where I had. Really felt like I had made some progress in my life from living at my mom's and not having anything to being on top of the world in that moment. Just felt so good.
0: Well, also owing 40 grand. I mean, you not only had anything, but you were, you were in the hole. <laughs> I was
1: broke. I was, I was absolutely broke.
0: Wow. Yeah. Did you feel his presence in there?
1: I was wearing his ashes around my neck. And in fact... Mm. Wow, I, that's deep. was, you know, if you can see this, I, I'm where I was wearing this, which is basically just this necklace, but, um, you know, his remains and I wore that underneath my shirt the whole time.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So I definitely felt him. Wow. They took me backstage Super a cool. few minutes later, um, to do like a post- interview after the run and they're asking me questions about him. And I, I just lose it on camera. It's like, it's not live TV, but I got all these lights and cameras on me. I'm just like, oh, I can't, I <laughs> talk. it was, it was so dramatic. It was.
0: What did you have to do to train for that? Cause that, that thing is tough, man. Yeah. And you know, yes, you played football. Yes. You were a personal trainer yeah. and then starting to get back into track of being that personal trainer, personal coach again. Yeah. Um, but when you when you have a gap in life, trust me, I've been there. When you have a gap in life of not working out or not doing, just going downhill, and then you're yeah. trying to go back up, it's freaking tough.
1: Absolutely, and it's a it's a it's a mind game every single day, especially when you have no like solid ground to pull yourself out of that hole on, and you feel like you're just slipping every step of the way. It's a mind game, and so you know, for me. Um, to answer your question, I'll, I'll get there in just a second. But for me, it was like having those reaffirming conversations with myself and putting myself in this positive environment so that I could continue moving in the right direction, you know, and for me, number one, it was running, but B, I needed to, I need to be hearing something that was giving me that positive influence. And for me at the time, it was, it was reggae music. And that's wow. why there's such a heavy influence in what I, what I listen to now and why you hear it in my videos is because reggae music is all about, you know, uh, self-improvement, positivity, upliftment, brotherhood, uh, self-reliance, all of that stuff. And so I needed to hear that at the time because I wasn't putting myself around people because I was just afraid to.
0: Wow, I grew up on Bob Marley too.
1: Yeah, exactly. My, uh,
0: my, my brother was a big Bob Marley fan.
1: Gotcha. My older yeah. brother. Yeah.
0: That's so cool, so Dan. Good. So good. Well, tell us about the academy, man.
1: So the High Performance Health Academy is an online school that's designed to help high achievers and entrepreneurs master their bodies so that they can regain control of their health within 90 days. And so people that have created big businesses but have neglected their health along the way, Mm -hmm. this is the solution to help you hit that next level in your health, but ultimately in your level of impact and influence as well.
0: So when you when you talk about your one million people to impact yeah. one million people, yeah, are you talking about a direct impact on them, or are you talking about these people you help exponentially helps you?
1: Well, that's the beauty of coaching high perform. <laughs> I want to help a hundred. I want to help a hundred million people. Actually,
0: a yeah. hundred million.
1: Yeah, hundred. I was million short
0: ninety nine million.
1: Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you're, you're close. You're close. And and it's lofty and it's scary, but. That's the reason that I picked it. You know, originally uh-huh. I was thinking a million, but then I was like, oh, that's, I feel like that's too safe. Like I, I I'm not scared by that number, but when I thought of a hundred million, I'm like, holy shoot, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's why I went with that number. And when I help high achievers and entrepreneurs, that all flows downhill, especially if they're leading big organizations. And so that's why I love working with high performers is because they're helping the most people. I, I know they're leading the most people. So, and plus they just, they take more action. Yep. It's like they've already seen so much success in their life and their business that now all they need is the action plan and their health. Yep, And they just execute.
0: All we like, really have so to fun. do is, is like tweak. You know, we make yeah. no excuses. There's yeah. uh, the high performers make no excuses, but we also know how to prioritize
1: absolutely and then
0: you just kind of it's kind of like the what's that called the the cube thing the
1: rubik's cube rubik's cube <laughs>
0: sorry i'm like sometimes a yeah. filipino tongue stands in the way
1: <laughs> yeah um
0: it's kind of like that you're just readjusting things to align things you know absolutely. what's important how am i doing something that's going to impact more it's all about impact for us yes. we lead with impact Yes. Or do I do this thing where it's only going to impact a certain amount of people? Or do I do this thing where it's going to impact exponentially? And whether I like it or not, it's going to be a wildfire and it's just going to grow.
1: Yeah, definitely. And when I'm coaching high performers, like the, the big thing for them is, like you said, is impact. And I think that even when I work with moms who are entrepreneurs or people that are growing their business, females specifically, their big thing is they want to be a better role model for their kids. Yep. And so making that shift to putting yourself first so that then you're able to give to your family on a higher level is something that's just so important to them. And so if you're a mom right now and you're listening and you're starting to neglect your health, realize that every day that you choose to neglect or put your health aside so that you can fold an extra load of laundry or, you know, whatever, whatever it is in your business tasks, you're not putting yourself in a position to serve at the level that you're capable of. Yep. You're not.
0: Well, we talk about kids suck it all in and I never knew that they actually do until my kids started making their own choices with food. Yeah. You know, my, my little Taylor, he says, mom, I didn't eat any snacks today. Are you hungry? No, I'm not. But I didn't eat all the extra stuff because I don't want to have a bare belly. He's nine years old. He's nine years old. And you know, it's just all about education. And also not only the education piece, it's showing them what you're doing for you because they suck it all in, Dan. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Whether
0: we like it or not, man, they do.
1: Absolutely. You know, I was just I was in Jamaica uh, about five or six months ago, and I was in this primitive village in the mountains, um, way like 40 miles outside of the city limits. And as I'm walking up the road, uh, it just starts pouring. It was just tropical mm. storm. You know how those are. It just starts pouring out of nowhere. So, Gabriella and I take cover under this like little lean to tin roof thing. Well, there was a bunch of school kids that were probably Mm -hmm. first or second grade, um, that were also in this little area with us. And if you can imagine these kids in Jamaica that live in this village way outside of town, they probably haven't seen people that look like me before. And so it was really like this like tense moment where we weren't really talking. They were kind of unsure who I was. And so I just started to pick these rocks up off Mm -hmm. the ground and I started showing them this silly little magic trick. And I was showing one kid this and what I noticed was that all of these other kids started picking up rocks as well and then doing that little silly magic trick with each other. So where I'm going with all this is that kids are watching and listening and learning more than we think, more than we think.
0: Yeah that's so true
1: yeah so, so we true. gotta set the tone we gotta set, the, set tone. the tone yeah
0: so um question for you if if coach c was listening to this podcast what would you tell him
1: <laughs> if coach c was listening to this podcast i would tell him that Oh man, I would tell him, thank you. Mm. I would tell him, thank you for what he taught me about being a servant leader.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause that was what he was big on. I would tell him, thank you for, um, showing me how to be a dad, a father, a present father, a loving father because he was that to his kid, his daughter. I would tell him, thank you for teaching me the value of discipline. Mm -hmm. And I would just, I would just tell him, thank you for being in my life the way that he was, because he, he was able to get through to me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when I didn't feel like anybody else could. And he just made me want to be a better person. So I would just say thank you for that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah if your daughter your daughter cuz man these these kids z generation they're yeah. going to be so way ahead of the ball game it's not even like they're super smart kids yeah um was listening or get a hold of this podcast down the road because they will <laughs> what message would you tell her
1: uh, baby, I would tell you to keep your consciousness because that's how she is, man. We talk about we talk about how she, emotion and feeling and people and love. We talk about that all the time. I would tell her to just keep your consciousness, like that's what's gonna set you apart mm. in this century. It's true. Yeah.
0: Just be yourself, too. You know, it's yeah, it's super important.
1: Absolutely, because your consciousness is what's gonna allow you to get through to other people and really be that change and really set the tone like we've been talking about.
0: That's awesome. So last question, but before I go to my last question, <laughs> yeah, I just want to say thank you for your friendship and you are someone that I follow hardcore. I watch a lot of your content. You put out so much value out to the world, and I Thank want to you. commend you for you know holding yourself accountable because i 'm sure you have a coach, every coach on this planet um, have two or three coaches, and we, we have you have four we have to we have to elevate our game there 's yes. this law of the lid where whoever you 're coaching can only grow so much if you're yes. growing you can't you can 't help people unless you 're growing, so you 're putting a lid on the people you're leading if you're not growing. So yes. um, I want to commend you for changing your own life and just keeping it on track and, and now even like duplicating yourself to a lot of people.
1: Thank you for um, that. Thank you. I receive that.
0: Where? Oh, there's a question that's really important for me that I ask you.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I know you've helped a lot of moms. Yes. I was in your... Seven-day yes. challenge and yes. it made me cry a lot. <laughs> I'm a crier too, so so. Um, and there were a lot of impactful women in there, impactful moms. And if you can tell us or pick one story, and I know that you have a ton, but pick one out of the ton of stories that you have that really hit you and hit you hard, and that you're like this is why I do what I do. Yeah. Who would that story be about and what is it about?
1: Her name is Christy Bowden. Christy Bowden is a mother of five. Mm. Christy Bowden had been suffering from fibromyalgia, chronic Mm. fatigue syndrome for 15 years. Um, she was living a life where she couldn't even leave the house. Sometimes she couldn't even get out of bed. She had very active kids, had basically gone their entire adolescence without ever really being able to be a part of any of it, any of it. Wow. Her husband did the majority of the, of the rearing, Mm. worked full time. And I met Christy about three years ago. And she came in to the gym that I was working at, at the time. And we instantly just had this connection and I could see in her eyes that she was ready to make a change. She couldn't move very well, Mm -hmm. but she was ready to make a change. And mind you, this woman was, was young, young, like Mm -hmm. 40, 45, 46, but had missed out on so much. And we worked incredibly smart, incredibly hard and we were incredibly consistent over the course of about a year and in that year that we worked together we went from barely being able to to walk st- straight without pain to her training and preparing for her first spartan race in that short no. time and so <laughs> i know i know i cry about it every time I, I think about. oh it. my goodness it was like just this powerful story of this woman who hadn't been able to do anything for 15 years and lost so much of you know, her, her kids upbringing to what she's doing now, which is so powerful is that she, after going through all this transformation is now certified as a fitness coach and is now helping women around the state of Montana that suffer from chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and, and just to regain control of their health. So um, what's just so cool about all of that is that She's able to just be there for her kids now because she's put her health first and she's found a solution that works for her. She's an incredible parent, like a completely present, loving, worthy woman. And it's so mm-hmm. incredible to see it in action.
0: Wow, when, yeah, you described, when you described Christy to me in the beginning and you know, going back to our, our earlier chat about mindset when she yeah. says she's, she's ready. Yeah. She does just doesn't know where to start. It was her mind. Yeah. It started like right here. She was ready to rock.
1: It was that first thought of but, just having enough being But
0: but then when she said that, you showed up in front of her. Yeah. You see?
1: That's a really good point. I didn't think of it that way. Absolutely.
0: Because it, it there's a saying that goes, When the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
1: Yes. Oh, that's very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened in that moment.
0: So beautiful. It's a Absolutely. beautiful thing you're doing, yeah. Dan.
1: Thank you for that.
0: And you. you didn't win four years in a row for no reason. And uh, <laughs> Come on now. What was that? What was that award that you just got? Uh,
1: fitness coach of the year. This is the fourth year in a row. Yeah. Ugh. I know. I'm proud yeah. of it. I think it's cool. I'm I, proud I of you, dude. I didn't think it was gonna be as cool as I thought until it happened. And then I'm like, you know what? I need to pause and really take this moment in because this is, again, a big moment in my life because it was just four years ago that I was living in my mom's basement, broke and feeling like I didn't have a purpose. And so that's just something that that I'm just really grateful for now. And I actually, you can, you can kind of see if I shift this frame a little, you can see those plaques as yes, the right other there. three, so. <laughs> congratulations,
0: congratulations. Thank you for that,
1: Chris, thank you. Thank you, Karine.
0: Last question before I let you go. Okay. Um, what is your, well, before that, tell the, the listeners where they can find you, because I need them to find you, Dan. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would, I,
1: you know, if you're listening right now, I would love to connect with you, I would love to be able to hear your story. Um, and I'm active on Facebook, and Instagram mostly, you know, if you like to watch videos, um, I'm all over YouTube and Facebook with the videos, but you can contact me in one of those two places. And I definitely, definitely respond to you. I respond to everybody. I'm not, not one of those people that won't, you know, I'd love to be able to connect with you there.
0: You're very engaged. You respond really fast.
1: Yeah. And you can just find me Mm -hmm. at Dan Holguin anywhere. D-A-N-H-O-L-G-U-I-N. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Finally, the last question.
1: I can talk with you all day, so you you ask me as many final questions as you want.
0: What (laughs) What is your definition of a mother hustler? When you hear that word, what comes to mind?
1: A mother hustler to me is a woman who continuously puts herself first, prioritizes herself first, so that when it comes time to raising kids, being a present parent, building a business, creating a legacy for her family, that she's able to do that at the highest level possible. But she's got to prioritize herself first. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. (laughs) All right, Dan. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. I love hearing your stories. Thank you. I mean, I've heard the Coach see very much, yeah. you know, since I've known you, but it's the other pieces of of your life that I wanted to really dive deep into too. Oh, so thank you
1: for asking.
0: I appreciate you, Dan. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and I can't wait to see where, where all the hard work goes.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for that.
0: See you later, buddy. All right. Take care. Thank you. You got it. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlets. And for some of you that's left us a five star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons. So I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother has day.